Hi, and welcome to Geared for Growth. This week, we're chatting with Leanne Pilkington, who's the president of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales, the second female since 1910 when it was established. She's also the managing director of Lang & Simmons, the founder of the Real Women in Real Estate Networking Group, and an industry heavyweight in the real estate industry. We have a chat to Leanne about how she got to where she is, the lobbying work that she's doing on behalf of the Real Estate Institute, and her background in property and her investment tips and how she's setting herself up for financial freedom. It's a great interview and I think you'll really enjoy it. Here's Leanne. Leanne Pilkington, welcome to Geared for Growth. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's been uh, well, it's a real real pleasure, and I've been uh, really hoping to, to to get you on as a as a real figurehead within the real estate industry. But before I give too much of your background away for for people that haven't heard of you, Leanne, who are you and what do you do? Um, I am the managing director of Lang and Simmons, which is a franchise organisation, real estate franchise organisation based in Sydney, and we've got forty two offices around Sydney. Um, I am also the president of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales. Wow. So, quite a uh, quite a resume. Thank you. And and outside of that as well, you're you're a figurehead when it comes to the participation of of the female gender in the real estate. So there's there's quite a bit a bit of involvement that you have with that as well, right? Yeah, that's right. I started an organisation an organisation called Real Women in Real Estate um, about two years ago now and we've got a couple of thousand members across the country, would you believe? It's just grown um, very unexpectedly uh, but we, we do events, um, networking events for women who are not just real estate agents but anybody who is in and around property or interested in property or in you know quantity surveyors or or mortgage brokers, anybody who has got something to do with property. So, yeah, we get together every few months in various places around the country. That's awesome. And quantity surveying yeah. uh, terribly is a, a very male-dominated pr- profession. We're, we're, oh, we're, we're pleased so to be about 50-50 in our office, um, but it, oh, well it, it's difficult. It's difficult in, in attracting uh, women to the profession. Uh, maybe I'd, I, it's not a terribly rock and roll <laughs> position, and I guess construction yeah. you know, is typically male-dominated, but hopefully that will change. Um, just to get okay. a bit of uh, a bit of dirt on you, Leanne, what, what posters Ooh. were on the bedroom wall uh, as a youngster? <laughs> um, I wasn't allowed to have them on the bedroom wall, so I had to cheat and put it on the back of my door. Um, but it was a band who you've probably never heard of called Supernaut. I have not, I must admit. Yeah, that probably just means I'm a bit older than you, but that's okay. <laughs> right, Supernaut. I'll have to, we'll be Googling that one after. You Google so, them, that's right, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they, might be, they might be pre-Google. <laughs> exactly so, right. So, Leanne, how, how did you get started in, in property and, uh, and property investment as well? Um, so, my involvement in property, I didn't have a lot of choice. My father um, and my mum and dad had, a, had three real estate businesses in Sydney and I started answering their phone um, on, a, on a Sunday as a 12-year-old. For the grand total of five dollars a day, my dad's very proud of that's all that he paid me. Wow. Okay. Um, so that's how I started. And when I finished high school, my intention was to become a teacher, 
um, I went on, uh, went away to the Gold Coast for schoolies and ran out of money. And Dad sent me some money up and um, and said, "You can you can work it off um, until you go to uni." So I got back, um, sort of over the Christmas holidays, and and worked for Dad in his office and never became a teacher. I went on to study um, to become a valuer, and then a a licensed agent auctioneer. In those days, there was a lot of study involved, and so that's what I did. So I've been put in the industry for um, pretty much all of my career. Wow, and uh, and I guess from humble beginnings on the on the reception desk to managing director Absolutely. of Lincoln Simmons and and president of the Real Estate Institute, how, how do you how do you chart that sort of uh, that progression? Um, it really, to be honest, it really surprised me uh, in the early days when I first became. Um, so I've been at Lang and Simmons now for twenty three years, and I started as the. Um, as the administration manager, um, franchise coordinator, that kind of role. And I worked pretty closely. We had an ownership change. The new owner came in, fired the general manager, and I worked very closely with the new owner for about 18 months. And one day he came to me and he said, you know what, kiddo, you are actually much better at this franchising stuff than I am. I'm going to make you general manager and I'm going back to selling commercial real estate. And then he proceeded to walk out and go on two weeks holiday. And I just sort of, yeah, I was absolutely stunned. It was not something we talked about. It wasn't anything we'd discussed. But what I learned from that is it's the things that you do when you don't realize anybody's watching that can set you off on on your own sort of for me a leadership journey so i um i ran all of my franchisees and told them what had happened and so many of them were really excited for me um which surprised me i thought i always saw myself as a really good number two yeah really good at working behind a charismatic leader you know who goes out and makes all of these declarations about what's going to happen next um, and I would run around in the background and do all the work. And um, and so I rang my franchisees saying, you know, telling them what had happened and they're all so excited. And I said to one of them, why? Why do you think I'm going to be good at this? And they said, look, Leanne, we know how much you care about the brand. We know how much you care about us and our businesses. That's what we want from a leader. Oh, wow. And all and it so took was, was you really being thrown in the deep end. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, get, getting back to um, as, as we were talking about uh, your your organisation you've set up for women in real estate. Obviously, that's a, a, an important passion for you. What, what's the state of play mm-hmm. in real estate today compared to say twenty three years ago? Well, when I first um, when I first started at Lang and Simmons, so that was twenty three years ago. We only had four female business owners, and now we would have. We probably still don't have um, – we're, we're not 50-50, but we're almost close to a third. So that has improved. Yeah. Um, we've got about 50-50 gender split across the industry in general. But what we find is that there are obviously more women in the um, admin and property management roles. Um, they tell me – the stats tell me that there are 50% of um, female salespeople, but I, that's not what I see. Right. Um, it's really not what I see, particularly in areas like the western suburbs of Sydney. There's not that many women selling. Yep. And, and traditionally, administration and property management ha- have been sort of the, the go-to positions for, for female staff. Why, why do you yep. think that is? And, 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 and what do you think is, is, is the gap between moving into more sales or, or or business management or or a franchisee owner yeah they, look there's a couple of there's a couple of things um, women don't tend to back themselves as easily as men do so if you've got a job going and a and a woman your your um 
a, a job ad, a woman will look at it and say, oh, I tick 90% of that, yep, I'll put my hand up and go for that job. Whereas a man will go, oh, I can do half of that, yep, I'm going to go for it. Fudge the resume so, and give it a crack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just different, um, just different mindset. Um, and obviously I'm generalising, but I do see it all the time. And that's one of the great things about the Real Women in Real Estate Network that we've started is that it's about trying to, to take help women take that next step for whatever whatever that looks like for them, that next step to help them give, get the confidence to give it a crack. Um, and, I mean, obviously the other thing is women are still um, the, doing the majority of the childcare and the, the work at home. Yep. That's still the reality of life for a lot of women. Yep. And that's great. If that's what they choose to do, that's awesome. And so the flexibility that comes around potentially admin or property management, sometimes property management work, uh, suits them better than sales, which you know does require weekend work, which does require night work. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's fine if that's the only reason, right? If it's if it's about the flexibility and they're they're choosing to yeah, just to stay right. home and and start a family, but I guess it, it's where those barriers are put in place where they're actually trying to to get into those male dominated positions. Yeah, and they can't. Yeah, absolutely. So an- another sort of passion of of yours is uh, education standards uh, for the industry, and I know some absolutely. things have, have changed there. Um, yep. I, I had an illustrious, roughly ten month uh, career in real estate, and when I when I studied, I actually did uh, a year. It was four days a week, full time. Um, as wow. far as I understand, you can get enough of a license in as little as as a week to actually go and sell real estate. Is that right? Uh, at the moment, yeah, you need to um, actually spend more time studying to become a barista than you do to be a real estate agent. Uh, right. I mean, there are a lot of nuances in, in coffee, right? Yeah. But, but surely oh, there's I a mean, little bit more to do with, you know, trust accounts and legislation and negotiation. You would have thought so. So I, um, back in the day, like you, I, did, I didn't do it full time, but it took me three years, um, uh, two nights a week. To, to get my real estate license. Yeah. And um, the government in their wisdom have been lowering the barriers to entry because that creates more competition. And that's fine. Competition is fine. But when the competition is incompetent, then that's a, re- that's a serious problem. And I was, as in my role as um, managing director uh, at Lang & Simmons, I was getting people um, coming to me saying, okay, Leanne, we want to have, we've got our license, we want to open our Lang & Simmons office. And they would tell me their career journey and, of course, they'd been an accountant or they'd had a 7-Eleven franchise or whatever it was, but no real estate experience. And I got very, very frustrated with that. So that was um, why I decided to join the board of the Real Estate Institute back in 2009 to have an impact on the educational standards. It has taken until this year. Wow. So, and in fact, the journey had started <clears throat> before I got onto the board. Um, the, the, um, the president at the time was already working towards the change in the standards, but it's taken until this year for those standards to be changed. Wow. That's, um, How bad is that? That's quite, a, that's quite a frustrating, I'm sure, banging your head against it the really desk journey. Is. Particularly when we want to try and make it better for consumers. You know, the, the, the people that in from more experienced, better educated real estate agents are consumers. Yep. And the fact that the government has fought us every step of the way with this is just blowing my mind. So the good news is, what, what are the educational requirements now? I'm, I'm guessing that uh, you can sort of relax a little bit now that you've, you've pushed something through. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we are still working. So there are three things changing all at the one time. Um, and they're all kind of related, but they've all been dealt with separately. So we have got the um, educational um, training reforms that went through Parliament last month. And that means that to um, you, you can get your certificate of registration um, and become a salesperson, but you can't sign any documentation. So you can't sign a listing agency agreement. Um, you have to be supervised in that space. Yep. And you, you need to then... Um, go on and become licensed. So at the moment, you can just have your few days um, training to become a salesperson and stay on that forever. Right. Whereas when the new reforms come in, you will be forced to become a fully licensed agent. And so that is, you know, the 24 units yep. okay. um, of, so, of study. So you would need that to be a real estate principal and your supervision... Well, you need it to be a licensed... No, you actually need, you need that to be a licensed agent. Right. Um, and then to become a licensee in charge, which at the moment is an industry term, but it's not a qualification. Okay. Licensee in charge is becoming a qualification, and you will need another two years' experience. So you cannot own a real estate business unless you've got three years of experience. Uh, at the moment, you need none. It, 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 it just seems like a no-brainer to me, to be honest. And, 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 and how often do you see in the press someone is, is facing you know, criminal charges yep. for misappropriation of trust account funds? It's, uh, it's, yep. a, it's a problem, and uh, I, I can't understand why the and government is not interested. You know? I know, I know. It's, it's blown my mind. And it's not, I mean, obviously, trust fraud is a huge, um, is a huge concern. But it's, you know, just the complaints that you get about real estate agents in general. You know, it's happened. So to give you an example, between 2014, so in 2014, we had about 19,000 real estate agents. By 2016, that number had jumped by 20%. Wow. And it's a gold rush thing, right? That that sort of coincided Correct. with the booming market. So people are capitalising capitalising on an opportunity to get in with, with really quite frankly bugger all experience and and get some yep, of that exactly. cash, right? Yeah, exactly right. And so we've been. That's why we've been working so hard to get that changed. And the other thing that we're doing, as well, is we want to become a formally recognised profession. So there are only 17 professions around the country and a number of them are the lawyers because the lawyers couldn't work together um, across the country. So each state has got their own um, has got their own professional standards scheme. It doesn't surprise so me we at are all. Work- yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the real estate agents, we're trying really hard to get one together. So um, it's the Real Estate Institute of Australia um, will be the entity and the, the training and... Um, uh, the training and educational standards are the first pillar of what we had to achieve before we could move forward and pref- and um, actually apply for this scheme. So it's a big, uh, it's a really big ask, um, and it's going to be a big jump. But I think it, I, I honestly think it's a game changer for the industry. I think that's awesome. But did you did you sort of yeah. think as a twelve year old that a big part of your job <laughs> would be lobbying, lobbying governments to change legislation? <laughs> As a 12-year-old, all I was worried about was, A, that my dad wouldn't let me have a day off work to go to Luna Park with my friends, <laughs> um, and, um, and B, the last thing I wanted to be was a real estate agent. <laughs> I had no intention of ever getting into it. So, yeah, things change. And here you are. So, so, <laughs> yep, exactly. So we've, we've sort of touched on the, the role as the president of the, uh, yep. of the REI in New South Wales. What, what about your, your day-to-day responsibilities at, at, at Lang & Simmons? How, how is it that you sort of oversee the, the operations? What, what, what's your sort of key, 
KPIs, I guess, for that role? Um, for me, it is growth of the brand, but satisfaction of the franchisees. They're the KPIs, and also, um, you know, when it comes to bonus time, the satisfaction of the team around me. Yep. Um, so we've got some interesting measures in place, in place for that. But we're not the kind of brand that grows for the sake of growth. We're not interested in that. We want people that are passionate about the industry, that that are ethical, that are professional, um, but are, are enthusiastic members of the Lang and Simmons family. We want people that get involved in everything that we do. We do a lot of training and education, and a lot of celebration of of results and that sort of thing. And we want people to be involved in all of that. Um, so that, um, that is what dictates the people that we allow to yeah. represent the Lang and Simmons brand. I think that's awesome. And by, by, by nature, yeah. that, would, that would mean that growth has to be slower, right? Because you're taking the time to train yep. and, and vet people, but the, yep. the end payoff is, is, is what it does for the brand. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We've got the reputation in the industry of having a really friendly brand. Um, and that you know, people are people are excited to be part of it, and it's really it's really nice. It's a really nice group of people. We're all pretty familiar with the big name franchises out there. What, yep. What what do they have in common, and how typically does that work in terms of of, of let's say there's a, a another brand. I'm, I'm treating it like the ABC, but let let's say LJ Hooker. Yep. We're allowed to say brands, right? Um, LJ sure. Hooker. Do, do they own some of the the offices, or are they all franchises? Do all the other brands work so, the same as that? Yeah. Um, no, they're all they're all different. Um, most of the big ones um, are franchised, um, but that's not to say they won't. If they see it, um, if they've got a, a really good office um, in a certain area that wants to retire, for example, that's not to say they won't, you know, bring out their checkbook and buy the business and then find um, a franchisee to put into it. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, at Lang and Simmons, we have um, we have a couple of models. The majority of our offices are franchised, yep. um, but we do have a couple that are partly company-owned. Company so two of our offices are half-owned by us and half-owned the, um, by, the, by the principal who's running the office. And that's new for us at Lang & Simmons. The first one of those was only towards the end of last year. Yep. Um, so that is a model that we are planning on growing in particular areas where we've got quite a lot of um, skills in the project marketing space um, from our our owners, at, we are owned out of Canberra, yep. um, and they've got a lot of um, experience in off-the-plan um, and development um, sites, yep. so we are bringing that expertise to Sydney, and in areas where we see a lot of opportunity for projects, we will um, we will co-own a business. Yep. So some of the other some of the other big brands um, do the same thing. Some have got completely company-owned. Um, offices like Elders, for example, they've got a lot of company-owned offices. Right. Um, and a brand like the agency that is all at this point is all company-owned. McGrath um, is a combination of franchisee and company-owned. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's a few different models around. All right. Yeah. So I guess it depends on on the brand and the, and the setup. But um, it does. There's there's no sort of goal that you know all franchise brands want to be company-owned or they want to sell them off. It just, no. it just depends on the benefits. It does, and it depends on the time. There's a lot to be said for having. We don't intend at Lang and Simmons. We don't intend to have company-owned offices. We intend to have either franchises or um, or co-owned offices. But that's not to say sometimes you end up in a situation where 
you know, maybe you're um, owning an office for a period of time until you find the right partner. Yeah, fair enough. Now, um, one thing that we, we have in common is, is I wrote an article about agent fees and motivations and got some <laughs> got a little bit of hate mail. Um, you, 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 you had a, a similar issue when you were Welcome talking to about... Welcome the club. Oh, yes, isn't, isn't, it fun? isn't it fun? Yeah, um, it really is. So you were talking but about... you don't value the opinions of people that you don't value. Well, that's that's pretty good advice. And when you think about it that way, it yeah. cuts down that pool of people that you actually give a shit about what they think, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, so you were talking about um, flat fee agents. You weren't mentioning yeah. anyone in particular, but people sort of joined the dots no. and talking about some of the industry dis- dis- so-called disruptors like, like purple bricks. Yeah. Um, yep. I guess the argument that I was trying to make is if 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 you're selling a house for for 800k and you've got a two and a half percent commission, the incentive to push that up to 820 is not there because it can make the deal fall over. Um, and that's where I was yep. sort of thinking, well, maybe with the owner, there would, it would be an idea of of say let's let's have a, an extra ratcheted percent over a certain figure. What 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 were yep. you what were you getting at when when you were talking about some of the flat fee agencies and and the, I guess the conflict with with what the owner's trying to achieve? The important thing to remember with I'm not a, I'm not against flat fees per se, um, but I am against organisations that charge an upfront fee. Right, which so, is the case with purple bricks. Okay, so no matter what so, the result is, the no matter you're what happens, yeah, you're going to pay, and so really they're getting paid to list your property, not to sell it. So whatever the result is, no matter how much work they do or they don't do. They get paid just the same. Yep. Um, and I, um, I chose, you know, I, I spoke to the financial review at the time because the market is cooling. Properties that would sell in a matter of a couple of days last year are sitting on the market now. And so I just wanted to, you know, make consumers aware that A, there's a market change and B, B you know, be very clear on what you're getting for the money that you're, you're spending. With um, the majority of agents, if they don't get the result you're looking for, it doesn't cost you. Yes. Sometimes, yes, it'll cost you advertising, sure, but you are getting a service for that fee, right? You're getting the marketing and advertising to promote your property. Exactly. Um, and it's not realistic to think that a real estate agent can afford to to cover that cost when potentially they're not going to get paid at the end of the day if the, if the property doesn't get sold. And I guess in a, in a booming market, an agent might sort of talk to the owner and they say, oh, we're looking for, you know, 1.5 and they're thinking, oh, that might be a stretch, but we'll give it a go. And then the market booms and they get 1.7 and everyone's happy. But in a, in a yep. market that's, that's, that's coming back, if, if we're paying an, an upfront fee to list, uh, the expectations may actually have to be lowered throughout that campaign. That, that's a difficult yep. thing for an owner. There's a bit of loss aversion um, with their expectations, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, and um, and owners need to not make a decision on their on the real estate agent based on the price they tell you they're going to get for you, or the commission that they're going to charge. You need to do more research than that. So if you you can't be driven to to be getting the cheapest um, the cheapest agent because you won't get the best result. The reality is that a good agent does make a difference to the amount of money you can get for your property at the end of the day. Um, and you, you made a comment, um, before about an agent not having an incentive 
to get an extra twenty or thirty thousand yep. dollars on a pro- on the price. But what you need to understand about agents is that they are employed to do the best job for the vendor, and most of them take that responsibility very seriously, and they're very competitive by nature. Yep. And so, if they can see that somebody is going has got the ability to pay or the willingness to pay a little bit more, even if it makes no difference to them personally, they will still try and get that money. That's what an agent is there to do. Well, they do that for their own personal um, and, satisfaction of knowing they did a, they do. a good job, right? Yeah, they did. They, that's right. They did the best. They did the best job. And if you're interviewing agents, you need to have a conversation with them about, um, you know, what are so what are your you know your days on market? How many of the properties you put to market do you actually sell? Um, Give me an example where you've um, where your negotiation skills have added value for the vendor. Give me an example where you know you've gone back to a buyer to get more money. There's lots of questions you can ask an agent to really understand who's good at their job and who's not. I think that's that's great advice. I know that there are a number of online tools, you know, rate my agent, things like that. Yep. Um, should we be skeptical of those those sort of platforms yep. given that I'm guessing, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing you could pay for premium spaces on those platforms. Are they useful tools for consumers or should we sort of take them with a grain of salt? Uh, grain of salt, absolutely. Uh, rate, rate my agent, for example, delete any negative comments right. that, that they get about agents. Um, now, that's not the agent doing it. That's, that's right, my agent doing it. Right. Um, other agent, other um, other platforms like Open, Open Agent, Local Agent Finder, all of those kind of products that say, okay, we will find you the best real estate agent in your local area, and it's free. It's not free. It costs the agent 20% or up to 20% because they are starting to negotiate their fees, those platforms now. But the agent has to pay up to 20% of the commission for that lead. Right. And because of that, the best agents in any local area do not need those referral sites, so they will not take referrals from them. Yep. So they are misleading consumers when they say we're giving you the best agents in the area because they're not. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. And I guess the, the best agents, they don't want to be beholden to, to something like that. No. And the ones that are struggling no, for what, the listings yes. are, are going to be desperate Correct. to get on that platform. That's exactly right. It's always it's 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 the newer or less successful agents that use those platforms because they need them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting insight. Now, yeah, we, we've had a bit of um, you know, d- disruption's been a disruption's been a key word for for a little while. Yeah. Um, people, you know, real estate agents love to sort of talk about disruption. You can sort of see all yeah. of the Elon Musk Musk fans out there, and and I'm certainly one of them. Um. There's been yep. a few uh, initiatives that have come into real estate. We, we've talked about some of the flat fee selling platforms, the, the rating, the agents, uh-huh. fractional ownership yep. and things like that. What, yep. what, what do you see happening to, to real estate in, in the next 10 years? It's clear that there are a lot of people wanting to shake it up and, and innovate. There are, yeah. There's a lot of people spending a lot of money in the real tech space at the moment. Um, it's amazing to watch what's going on. I think probably what will happen is... Um, it will shake up in the property management space first. So property management is very labor intensive and it's a very expensive division to run. Yep. It's not highly profitable, um, but it is the asset. That, that's the way that real estate agencies are valued on their rent roll. 
Um, and property managers are getting harder to find. They're getting more expensive. And so that's where technology, I think, can make a huge difference. There's, um, there's a, a business in, um, in the US, for example, that they have in every one of their homes under management, they've got um, Alexa, an Amazon Alexa. And so instead of the tenant ringing the, the real estate agent and saying, um, my hot water's broken, um, it, they'll say to Alexa, my hot water's broken. And Alexa will then step them through, they need to check the pilot light, they need to do this, they need to do that. And if they've done all of those things and it's still not fixed, a, um, then um, an alert will go to the property manager who will um, arrange for the tradesperson. Wow. So wow. Those, I know. <laughs> that's I know. pretty and awesome. Even, oh, that's fantastic. Um, there's even cameras now that, you know, when agents have to go around and do the inspections every um every, they should do them every quarter yep that's another tip when you're looking for a property manager ask them how often they inspect your your premises um but there's cameras around now that will you can take a photo today and then go back in three months time take another photo and the um the software will say oh there's a scratch on the floor that wasn't there before or there's a mark on that wall that wasn't there before wow yeah that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot that's going to happen in the in the property management space in the next sort of twelve to twenty four months. It's funny you mentioned Alexa. I was, I was chatting to a, a podcast uh, uh, host or pr- producer just to sort of try and get this one into the twenty first century, and she said in the US yeah. that Alexa is huge. Everyone's getting on it, and suggested that it would be great if the uh, the Alexa sort of uh, engine could say um, you could say I'd like to hear Leanne on Geared for Growth, and that'll pop up. So we're actually investigating it. How to do that, and I think that that's going to be how that can happen. Yeah, that's going to be a big thing with 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 either Alexa or Google Google Home. I think that's going to in- yeah, integrate into sure. all of our lives, whether it be ordering groceries or or yeah, my hot for water's sure. broken. That, that, that's that's an interesting interesting insight. Yeah, there's a lot that's going to happen in that space. I mean, my sister got a Google Home for Christmas, and and um, my brother said, oh. Um, hey Google, who's Leanne Pilkington? And of course, Alexa goes, Leanne Pilkington's the managing director of Lang and Simmons. <laughs> it worries <laughs> you, right? Because you know, may, maybe uh, yeah, some of your competitors will be trying to hack that. And uh, you know, Leanne Pilkington yeah. is the sister of Carl Pilkington, the famous idiot <laughs> on BBC. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. No relation, I promise you. Excellent. Good. Um, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yes. Yeah, so there are a lot of interesting things to watch in that space. Awesome. Now, moving on to property investing, which I, I guess is, yep. is the focus for, for this, this podcast, how, how important is, is property to your sort of financial plan personally and, and what sort of investing have you done? I, I'm presuming that um, you know, being in the position you are, you, it's a part of your sort of philosophy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I bought my first home um, while I was still living at home with mum and dad and um and bought it with my sister and my my then boyfriend who is now my husband um but um we have bought property in we've got a DIY um super fund and so we buy property um in that and the kind of property that I personally look for is um something that I can add value to and so in adding value um with the properties that we've got we've added granny flats Right to them, which um, has then obviously increased the yield significantly because you can add a granny flat for not a lot of money um, if you've got the right kind of property, and um, and and get you know a good return on it. 
Awesome. And 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 I guess it's it's topical with with the softening market of of, of yeah. people that are interested in, in still of course investing if the banks will only lend them money, which is a, which is a, yeah. a, a side Get issue. But what what's yeah. your best advice for 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 sourcing property and and finding something that does have capital growth potential or yield potential in this softening market? You need to um, you do need to make a decision on what your focus is, whether it is capital growth or it, or its yield. I mean, obviously we all want both, um, and often we are lucky enough to get both. But my focus, because it's in my super fund, um, is yield, because um, I need to have I can um, I need to have a significant percentage of cash already in my super fund to buy a property. I can't borrow all of it. Yep. Um, and so I need positively geared investments that um, are growing my my fund so that I can then go on to invest and buy the next property. So for me, it's yield um, um, and I buy properties that have got big enough blocks of land to put a uh, to put a granny flat on and I buy them in areas that are, are popular with tenants. So close to transport, um, you know, we're buying in cheaper areas, we're buying in Western Sydney because yep. uh, it's more affordable. Um, and yeah, if I was looking for if I was looking for capital growth again, it's around um, the the infrastructure. You know what's going on. For example, somewhere like Port Macquarie, yep. the, the the growth up in Port Macquarie has been phenomenal because they've um, they've got a great airport, they've got a great university, they've got a great hospital and a medical precinct, and it's just you know it's been going um, it's been going great guns. So it's looking for areas where things are changing. Whether it be rezoning, whether it be transport hubs, those sorts of things. The northwest um, has had phenomenal growth as well because of the the, the um, train going through Badgerys Creek, the airport, all of those sorts of things. Yep. And and with your sort of personal strategy, looking for yield within your super fund, obviously you're wanting to sort of get those cash balances up to purchase the next property. Yep. Does that does that mean you're sacrificing yep. capital growth to to some degree, or or you can uh, you can you can have both? Well, we've been lucky enough to have both um, in um, because we um, yeah we we have bought we bought well well we bought before some of the growth um, some of the growth has happened in areas like Blacktown yep um, so we um, Blacktown we, was a we, huge you know, success story I know <laughs> and it was more luck than good management I have to be terribly honest about that right, that's fine um, we, we, but, that, uh, we, yeah. we actually we actually like on this podcast to hear people as, as, as holding such a high office as yourself to say you know what I, I pulled it out of my backside to some degree yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's right I'd love to tell you it was strategy um, but um so yeah, if you, you know you can get you can get both, um, and we do buy um, we do prefer to buy um, houses rather than units for two reasons. Firstly, it's the land that is that adds the value, um, and the units you know they're just there's ongoing costs with units um, in relation to your you know your sinking funds and your strata levies and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Obviously, uh, a house is is harder to look after, but I have got an exceptionally good property manager who also happens to be my sister. Ah, <laughs> nice. Um, and um, yeah, she um, she is a phenomenal property manager, and she doesn't she not only inspects the properties every quarter, but she does drive bys every six weeks to make sure that the the gardens are okay and the lawns are okay. Um, and and if they're not, she's on the phone and she's speaking to the tenants and insisting that it's um, that it's maintained properly. 
Well, there's a f- so that's what you want for a property manager. I mean, that's awesome. There's a few motivations there. She's got to do a good job or she'll ruin Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> so for, for property investors looking to purchase uh, and looking for, for capital growth and, and good properties in the, in the short to midterm, you, you mentioned a few great tips about you know, rezoning and transport connections and hubs and, and cor- yep. corridors. Um, are there any other tips that you can provide or, or any areas that you're looking at yourself as well? Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that we've only just started um, talking about when we're going to buy our next one um, and we will probably need to go out of Sydney, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're looking at the Central Coast. We're looking at not necessarily Port Macquarie, but maybe some of the areas surrounding it. Because the roads up there, I don't know if you've been up there lately, but I drove uh, a couple of weeks ago, I drove from Byron Bay down to Port Macquarie. Yep. And the roads are, there's a lot of um, road work happening um, and the roads are going to be phenomenal soon. Um, so where are the people that can't afford Port Macquarie anymore going to live um, to travel backwards and forwards? And there's some, um, so, some enormous value on that coastline as well, right? It's a mm, really stunning, absolutely. beautiful place. I've spent a lot of time in, in Foster and as a triathlon tragic, nice. I always Port Macquarie to go and watch the Ironman. Yep. Um, it's a beautiful yep. part of the world. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's lovely up there. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, lo- it's just looking around, looking at what has happened in certain markets, you know, where the growth's been and where, where is it likely to be next. So once we've sort of narrowed that down and, and let's say we've, we've, we've found a property uh, around Port Macquarie or wherever it might be, what sort of inside advice can you give us for negotiating a, a purchase price? We know agents have always got their tricks and there's a mysterious buyer who's offered you know $1,000 more than you perpetually, right? Well, how can we make sure we're getting a good deal and secure a property? Oh, you're so property? cynical. Oh, I know. It's terrible, oh, isn't it? I've only had one coffee. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, that could be the problem. Um, I think you've got to know um, you've got to know the market. Um, you've got to trust your gut instinct, and you've got to make fast decisions. Yep. So getting the research so that you actually know yep. what something is worth, and yep. your strongest negotiating point is when you are pre-approved, ready to go. You can press the button. Correct. Absolutely. Awesome. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's that sounds simple enough. Yeah, it can't be too hard, right? <laughs> exactly. What about on the on the property management side of things? You you, you mentioned some some anecdotes of of, yep. of when the sort of routine inspections should be done. While your sister's a great property um, manager, I know that there are some statutory requirements around uh, how often you need to to look at a property. But ha- what are the best yep. questions for for interviewing potential property managers to look after your investment? Um, I would ask them about their processes. So how do they go about finding a tenant? Um, what are the conversations they have with, with their tenants? Because you want someone who's going to set the expectations from the tenant from the outset because it, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like your kids. If you don't set boundaries and you let them get away with things, then, then those boundaries get sort of blurred. Um, so you want somebody who sets the expectation with the tenant very clearly um, because, you know, at, Landlords have got mortgages that they need to pay, so they need to rely on that rent. Um, so set the understand what their processes are, understand the processes they go through with finding um, and and approving tenants. How do you get paid as a landlord? What are the um, what are the repairs 
likely to be and how are they communicated, what kind of reporting goes backwards and forwards, and you know the actual um, inspections. The frequency of inspections is really, really important. Ask them how they deal with it. You know, what happens if if we drive past and the lawn's long? Yep. What does how how will they handle how will they handle that? Um, and they should so, have, a, have a pretty good answer to to that question, right? They should. It, it shouldn't Absolutely. stump them. It should not stump them, but I promise you, it will stump some of them. Um, I would ask them how long they've been in the role that they're in because property managers do move around yep. um, a lot. And so you want somebody who's there, um, who's going to be there long term because um, you need to trust them. It's a big pet hate for property investors, uh, the property managers perpetually changing hands. You know, you spend a bit of time yep. de- developing a bit of rapport and, and sort of communicating your expectations and, and then it's, you know, I'm moving on, you know, meet Terry and you're <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know it is. It's really hard, and it's a you know it's a tough job. I I was a property manager at one stage in my career, mm-hmm. and it really is a hard job. And nobody ever wants to hear from you. You 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 feel like you've always got bad news for people, yeah. um, and that shouldn't be. You know it shouldn't be that way. Um, and we encourage our property managers to communicate with their landlords with you know positive news, updates on the market, and just you know that kind of conversation. But not all of them. Not all of them do that. Wouldn't that be? Yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? I'm just calling to say everything's fine. The tenants are paying on time. The house is being looked after. Exactly. The lawn's great. Yeah. That's not a common conversation. I'm guessing that property managers. No, have. it's really no, no, it's not because they're so busy dealing with everything that's going on. Um, it's uh, it's it, it really is. It's a much tougher job than people realise. Mm, I think that's great advice for for both sides of the fence. Now, what about yourself, Leanne? What's next for you? And what's your focus for for Lang and Simmons Network and and for the Real Estate Institute for the near term? Uh, so, for the Real Estate Institute, um, it's the professional standards piece. So, it is. Um, we, uh, I'm on the road at the moment talking to agents around the state about the changes to the training and education, but also talking to them about professionalism and what that means. We've been working on that for 12 months, and I think it'll probably be another 18 to 24 months before um, that actually is able to be rolled out. So yeah. we've got a lot of work in the background to do with that. Uh, as far as Lang and Simmons goes, uh, we uh, it's about... Um, it's about growth, really. For us, we put on a couple of new offices last um, last week, which is very exciting. So, we're, um, we've got a few more people that we're talking to. So, that's really what it's all about, that and helping our existing business owners and salespeople in particular navigate the changing market. Awesome. Well, you'll be very busy indeed. I certainly will. <laughs> now, there's a, an article that I came across, uh, and I'm, I'm throwing this to you out of out of left field, um, that you wrote in, in August last year about what a mentor should like. I just thought that that was a fantastic story. I'm wondering if you'd be happy to share that with us. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Um, so, I, um, a girlfriend of mine had a team member who was having a one-on-one conversation with her, her business owner, a performance review, and the business owner said to her, um, do you have any mentors or, or women, particularly in the industry that you look up to? And she mentioned my name and said, look, I don't know Leanne, but I really have a lot of respect for her. Now, the business owner didn't know who I was either, and he Googled me. And um, and the photo that came up, lesson to self, the photo came up um, was me performing in Mardi Gras last year <laughs> in um, samba, samba costumes bejeweled bikini and feathers and all of that sort of thing and um and of course the business owner just went oh no 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 she's not going to be a good she's not going to be a good role model for you no that's not an option 
And so um, I guess I wrote that article because I think I probably do have quite a lot to offer, um, you know, young women in the industry or any industry, to be frank, um, as a mentor. And so I just, I guess I wrote it as a don't be so quick to judge. Mm. People are always quick to judge what won't work rather than looking at how you could tweak something to make it work for you. I think, to be honest, if I sort of put a call out to say, would you like Leanne as a mentor, I'd be, I'd be terrified of, of the phones blowing up. I, I completely <laughs> agree with you. You've got so much to offer. But it's funny how just a, just a photo of you blinged up at, at Mardi Gras was yeah, enough exactly. for that person to go, oh, no, good. He should have Google homed no, you, then yeah. he wouldn't have seen a picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So, um, getting back to to the property investing, I just I really wanted to to do a little tangent. I thought that was a great story. Of the people that <laughs> that you have seen in the uh, in the industry that have been successful through property, is there anything that you think yep. that they've they have in common? Uh, I guess a strategy or a philosophy yes. that our listeners can replicate. Um, well, they most of them start early. Um, and they buy consistently and they don't sell. Right. Simple enough, right? That's, that's, yeah, it is simple enough. Um, and the hardest, you know, I, I'm not flippant about the difficulties of buying the first property. I'm really not. Um, I know how hard it was for me. And I know how hard it is, still is for me, you know, to buy my supercar and the hoops that the, the bank, you know, need me to, to jump through to borrow what is a relatively small amount of money for somebody um, like me. But, um, but yes, I know how hard it is. But, um, that's, that is what they have in common. They don't sell. They, um, you know, you'd be amazed at the, the, the families that own, you know, blocks of units in the city, um, blocks of, of office, you know, office towers in the city. Um, and they, there's a lot of them and they just don't sell them and they just appreciate over time and they, they use, you know, basically the strategy is to use to get into the first one, use that to buy the second one, and so you go on. Yep, buy and hold. Fairly, yep. f- fairly simple philosophy. That's not, but... good, that's not good business for agents, is it? Yeah. I've been into trouble for saying things like that. <laughs> no, we, and, 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 and even for, for tax depreciation, guys, we want turnover, right? We want new yeah, purchases. Yeah, that's right. We want turnover. Um, but, I totally. mean, I, mean I, I think that that just sort of is, is a, a testament to, to, to your ethics, right? You want people to succeed more than you actually, you know, want to, yeah. to benefit from them. So, you, look, I think that, yeah, that's, absolutely. That, that's great advice. The, the earlier people are getting in, the more they're getting those compounding results and I think there is a temptation yep. to sort of lock in profits um, but then you know what do you do with the, the money and, and what if you're missing the, the next little growth as well imagine selling in yeah. Sydney in 2004 after the after that boom and, and missing out on the next one right exactly and you've got to, you've got to be realistic Sydney's not always going to grow the way it's grown um, in the last year or two um, but over time, property needs to be a long-term investment. Property speculation is dangerous. It's a, ris- it's a risky, it's a risky game. But long-term property investment, um, it, I believe the properties in Sydney will continue to increase. Yep. Not at the necessarily the 15% that we increased, you know, sort of 12 months ago. Yep. But certainly there'll be a, a period of stability and then we will start to grow again. We've got all of the fundamentals where um, we've got limited supply. We can't, um, you know, we've got ocean on one side and mountains on the other. Um, we are the um, employment capital, really, of, um, of Australia. So the, the big paying jobs are in Sydney, typically. 
Um, we have 100,000 people coming into Sydney every single year. Wow. Like, that's a lot of people. They've yeah. got to live somewhere. Exactly. And yes, a lot of them are migrants, and no, they're not all going to have a lot of money to buy property, but they still have to live somewhere, mm. um, whether that's your investment property or mine. Um, you know, I just don't think that, you know, people that say that the boom, the bust is coming, I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. Yes, we will. Property does go up and down, um, but I don't believe that the fundamentals are telling us that there'll be a bust in Sydney. I think that's uh, that's that's a good insight, Leanne. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, look, I, I know you're a busy person and I want to, to wrap this up, but if I could just ask one final question, and that's if, if you can impart sure. one piece of advice to, to property investors in helping them with their journey, what would that be? Get started. Get started, good. That'll do. Just get started. Just do it. <laughs> awesome. I think that's great advice, Leanne, and I'd better let you get back to work, but thanks very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, that's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. Cheers. Thank you.